word, and we'll be careful this morning to give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory, for we ask it in Jesus' wonderful name, and for his sake, amen, and amen. Be seated, and thank you for standing. Now, if you let me, I'd like to recap just quickly uh, what we've looked at over the last few weeks. Remember, I believe it was two weeks ago, uh, uh, we looked at the shepherd is coming, I believe in verse number uh, eight of chapter two, down through the rest of the chapter, we saw that shepherd pursuing the Shulamite, how that he uh, came uh, skipping upon the hills and leaping upon the mountains, and uh, how that it pictured Christ when he wooed and won our heart as a sinner, and uh, so we saw the shepherd come, then uh, last week, if I'm not mistaken, we looked at the first half of chapter 3, and we saw that, well, I believe we tied, if I'm not mistaken, the search, uh, for the shepherd, have that the relationship, uh, or not the relationship, but the fellowship uh, had been uh, taken away, had been destroyed in their relationship. And uh, you remember we talked about how she sought for him in the city streets, and how she sought for him in the uh, in the city courtyard. We talked about how that's not where a shepherd would be, and we saw that relationship restored. Uh, at the end of last week, in verse number 5, she said, I charge ye, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, by the rolls and by the hands of the field, that, that you stir not up, nor wake my love till he pleads. And so she finds him, the relationship is restored, uh, uh, the fellowship is restored, I should say, uh, uh, and everything seems to be going good. Uh, and then here in a text this morning, the Bible says in verse 6, Who is this uh, that cometh out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke? Uh, Perfumed with myrrh, frankincense with all powders of the merchant. Uh, behold his bed, which is uh, Solomon's. Now, three main characters in uh, uh, the Song of Solomon. There's several uh, uh, smaller characters, supporting characters, if you would. Uh, uh, but you have the Shulamite, she's a picture of the church. Uh, you have the shepherd, who is her love interest, her husband, her spouse, if you would. Uh, and then you have Solomon, uh, who Elaine lusts after her and wants to take her as his own. Uh, now, we've talked about this some in the past. There's different uh, trains of thought. There is a uh, train of thought, Wendy, that, the, that Solomon uh, and the shepherd are one and the same, that uh, they're the same person, that Solomon disguises himself as a shepherd uh, in order to woo her heart. Now, uh, I believe we'll find here in our text this morning that uh, Solomon and the shepherd cannot be farther different uh, than what they are. There are no similarities uh, uh, between Solomon and the shepherd. In fact, we saw uh, uh, the shepherds coming a couple weeks ago. Now, this morning, uh, I'd like to look at Solomon's coming. He's going to come uh, to her here in her text, and it's vastly different uh, uh, than how the shepherd came. Uh, I believe they're opposites. I believe that uh, the shepherd falls in love with her and marries her, and uh, Solomon comes and tries to uh, take her away and destroy that. Uh, now, if she's a picture of the church, the bride, uh, and the shepherd's a picture of Christ as the good shepherd, uh, and the chief, she chief shepherd, uh, uh, then Solomon becomes a picture and a type of the world uh, and of sin uh, and of Satan. And then, right, he's uh, the adversary. The Bible said, be sober, be vigilant. Uh, of course, your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion walking to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. Now, uh, he'd love to damn you as a sinner to hell. Uh, uh, but if you're saved this morning, he can't uh, uh, make you lose your salvation. He can't take your salvation. But I tell you what he can do. Uh, 
He can't break your relationship with the Savior. Uh, uh, but no, he sure can break your fellowship with him. Right. Right? Isn't that right? He, you're yeah. still a child of God. You're still uh, the bride. I've used the example before. No matter what may take place, uh, uh, them boys, if they grow up to be adulterers and fornicators and liars and drug addicts and drunks and murderers, and, uh, uh, and Michelle, they spent all their life in prison. Uh, I'd be ashamed of them. Uh, I wouldn't have very much fellowship with them. I couldn't agree uh, with the life that they live. But Nancy, they're still my youngest. Uh, uh, I'm going to come up with my blood still flows through their veins. Uh, and we're washed by the blood of Christ. We've been adopted uh, by the blood in the family of God. Uh, our relationship world does not change. Uh, but there are times our fellowship uh, waxes and wanes. There are times that we're closer to it than others. There's times that uh, we made our sin and our uh, iniquity that we regard in our heart may separate us. Uh, from having fellowship with him. Uh, I give you this example. Uh, if Andrew walked up to me this morning, I hope he's got enough good common sense uh, uh, not to get any ideas when I say this, but if we were to get home uh, and Ron, he walked up to me and slapped me across the face, uh, our fellowship would be broken. Yeah. <laughs> that right? Yeah. He'd find a side of daddy he ain't never seen before uh, and he doesn't want to see it. I'll just put it like that. Uh, and there are times we see signs of God that uh, I don't know much more to say uh, I don't enjoy the chasing hand of God. Uh, uh, but I do find in scripture that when he chastises us, uh, I'm going to use a Bible term, don't get nervous. Uh, uh, that wrong when he chastises us, it shows us that uh, uh, we're a son and not a master. Did I want to say that? Yeah. He loves us, therefore he chastens us. Uh, uh, but our relationship uh, is steadfast, but our uh, uh, fellowship uh, is subject to change. Uh, so we find that's what Solomon's interested in. He's uh, uh, seeking and destroying the, the fellowship. Uh, between the Shulamite and the shepherd. Now, it's interesting to note here in the text that when Solomon appears, he didn't appear uh, until the fellowship had been restored. Uh, everything starts looking good. Uh, in verse, in the latter part of the first part of verse 3, she finds the shepherd. Uh, and then all of a sudden, in verse number 6, uh, how the Bible said, Who is this that comes? Uh, I mean, just when everything's looking good, she's back with the shepherd back. Uh, and they're in each other's arms, and she's drew near to, near to him. Uh, and he's drew nigh to her, and all of a sudden, here comes Solomon. Uh, uh, isn't that just how the devil works in our lives? It uh, uh, seems like when everything's going good, that's when he wants to hear. Uh, yeah. We looked at the other night in Acts chapter 19. Uh, how that the more God will work, the harder Satan will work against it. Uh, and yeah. uh, we find that here in the text again, that same principle. Uh, uh, i got to get into the message. There's a lot I'd like to say, but i got to get into it. Uh, or we'll be here all day, all right? Uh, uh, so notice this with me, if you would. Uh, I just want to look at verse 6. We'll call it this. Uh, I, I'll preach about Solomon is coming. Uh, notice Solomon and his portrayal. Now you say, preacher, what do you mean by that? Uh, in verse 6, we get some insight uh, into what Solomon looks like when he comes. Now remember, he's a picture of sin and work. And of Satan. That's what he pictures here in the Song of Solomon. And notice how he presents himself. Watch what your Bible said. Who is this that cometh out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke, uh, perfumed with myrrh, frankincense, uh, with all powers of the merchant? So you say, preacher, what about Solomon and his betrayal? Those will be first of all the confusion. Watch what your Bible said. First thing said about him is, Who is this? Is that not strange? Never. 
We're in, we're in the end of chapter 3. And we have never, Kenny, seen her ask who it was when the shepherd came. That's right. A shepherd. Thank you, All right. I'm not talking about the pictures. I'm talking about the literal interpretation of what literally happened. By all rights, this shepherd is a nobody. He's just a shepherd. But Solomon, the king of all Israel, comes up. And they say, who is this? She knows a shepherd, but she doesn't know the king. That seems strange to me. The confusion. You say, preacher, that's just a figure of speech. Oh, no. If you look in the bottom of verse 6, it ends with a question mark. She's literally asking, who is this? They're right. She doesn't recognize it. She's unclear who it is. It brings confusion in his life. They didn't even realize who he was. I said it like this. What a picture of Satan. He is the prince of this world. The prince of the power of the air. That's what the Bible said. Satan is this for the prince of this world. He's the prince of the power of the air. But yet Solomon is king over all Israel. But Nancy, he did not present himself in a way where they clearly knew who he was. His coming brought confusion. Isn't that right? Watch this. He never, Satan, even though he is the prince of this world, the prince of the power of the air, yet he never reveals himself openly. He works through confusion. He ministers through what is. He reveals himself through deception. It never, ever uncertainties. How do you know that to be true? When he come to Eve in the garden, he disguised himself as a serpent. The Bible said no marvel if Satan has ministers of darkness that appear to be angels of light. And that right, he disguised deception. It's confusion. But when the shepherd come, she never questioned who he was. Well, it's getting quiet. That's right. The Bible said, what's this? The Bible said, I'm not telling you my opinion. I'm going to give you scripture. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians 14, 33, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Can I just tell you something just real quick? If there's anything that brings confusion, it's not of God. Right. You've heard me say before. My mama used to tell me that when you when God dealt with you, King, she'd tell me I knew from an early age when God dealt with you, you need to get saved. You couldn't get saved unless God was dealing with you. I asked her, I couldn't tell you the number of times wrong. I said, Mama, how do I know that God's dealing with me? She'd say, You'll just know. And that drove me crazy. I couldn't stand it even. I wanted to know what it'd feel like. I wanted to know what it'd sound like. I wanted to know what I'd think. I wanted to know why. What to look for. Huh? But can I say when God speaks to an individual's heart, uh, you just know that God uh, is not the author of confusion. Can I say this? Satan will never. You think about that same instance. Uh, how, how God works. He's not the author of confusion. Uh, but no, when it comes to God dealing with you to do something. Uh, I've heard you talk about it when you before you got saved. Uh, I've heard you talk about it when God's calling you to preach. Uh, you know what Satan will do? He'll never come to you and say, don't get saved. Right. Oh, right. Well, if he did that, you'd know as a being, wouldn't you? Yeah. Sure, why would anybody not want you to die and go to hell? But he'll say, just wait. Right. Just wait till tomorrow. What ifs and doubts and confusions and deception? His coming brings confusion. Isn't that right? Yeah. Is that not right? 
You can I say this? We rebel against it a lot of times, but you know what I like? Uh, you know what I like about faith in the Lord uh, and studying the scriptures? Uh, you know what I like about that? It's black and white, right and wrong. Yeah. 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 They say, I realize there's some things that are somewhat open to interpretation with. When I get into all that, there's a difference between uh, a command and a conviction that. Uh, uh, your conviction may not be the same as mine, but there are precepts and standards and commands and ordinances in Scripture that do not waver. Had a conversation yesterday with an individual in my family, and uh, we was talking about a subject, and she said, uh, "She said, well, I just don't think it'd be a big deal." Uh, and I, I went to our big church, didn't even open my Bible up, uh, or open her Bible up and look her house. Uh, I read a portion of Scripture, and I said, "Do you believe God's word's true?" She said, "Yes." Uh, I said, do you believe we ought to live by it? She said, yes. Uh, I said, do you believe every word of it's the truth? She said, yes. Uh, and I said, well, I don't believe this other, but it really don't matter to me what you think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're right. Don't matter what you think. If God clearly said it, uh, it doesn't matter if I understand it. Uh, it's black and white, right and wrong. Uh, there are no questions about it. Uh, it does I be honest with what she's talking about. Uh, I can understand her viewpoint. Uh, I can understand the flesh, how one might feel that way. Uh, uh, but if it goes contrary to Scripture, it doesn't matter what I think about it. That's right. right? Yeah. But when Satan deals, it's never uncertain. God told him, told Adam in the garden that not to give every tree of the garden, but not to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know what Satan said? Uh, Satan said, did God really say that? What if? All right? Is that really? You know what Satan's done this morning? Is that really what God meant? All right? Oh, maybe you don't live in the same, uh, maybe you don't get the same phone calls I do, but I get phone calls every week uh, about something that somebody has uh, been standing in the church for years, a biblical command, uh, and I get calls almost weekly, somebody saying that, uh, but don't you think times have changed? Uh, don't you think God looked at differently now? Uh, absolutely not, I don't. Uh, he said what he said, he meant what he said, isn't that right? Uh, it's clear, uh, but Satan deals in what ifs and deceptions that uh, his coming brings confusion. Yeah. Yeah. Would be like this. You ever seen, you've all seen something like this. Church be growing, prophet, God bless them, and all of a sudden somebody come in, Satan will send in a wolf in sheep's clothing and yeah. tear that thing all to pieces. You know what it does? Uh, it causes them little youngins. I've seen over the years, uh, uh, youngins look at me and say, I don't understand uh, uh, when their mama, when their grandma died, uh, we went and took them food and we did this and that uh, and now they won't even speak to my mama. And you know what it does? It brings confusion. Uh, yeah. And God is not the author of confusion. Uh-huh. Isn't that Satan, his Solomon's coming, brought confusion. She said, what is Who is this? It's important to remember that all of her cares for the shepherd. We never have seen her having to ask who he was. I said like this, thank God the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. That's right. They're right you say, preacher, listen to me. You say, preacher, I just don't know. I don't know whether, I don't know if it's thing I'm dealing with. I don't know whether it's of God or whether it's of the world or whether it's of sin or whether it's of Satan. I put it to you like this. If it's of God, if you'll ask him to, he'll speak clearly to you through the word of God and give you a peace. He does not bring confusion. Isn't that right? That's right. Notice the confusion. Then notice them if you would. The coming. Look what your Bible said. In verse 6, who is this that cometh out of the wilderness? 
Uh, you say, preacher, what do you mean by that? Now, we saw last week, we talked much about it. Uh, she was looking for the shepherd in the city. And we said the shepherd will never be in the city. Right. Shepherd will be out in green pastures on the side of still waters. Uh, the shepherd will be out in the wilderness with the sheep. Uh, that's what a shepherd does. Uh, he's with the sheep. He give a, the Bible said the good shepherd give his life for his sheep. Uh, he can't do that in the city. He must be with the sheep. Isn't that yeah. right? Uh, yeah. And so she's looking in the wrong place. Uh, uh, so we found that she left the city uh, uh, to go to the wilderness or to the, uh, or to the pastures to the desert uh, to find the shepherd. But now we find silence. Guess where he's coming? He's coming out of the wilderness. He's been there. Now, let me say this. The shepherd makes visits to the city. That city, by the way, comes a picture of a sinful world. What a good picture of it. And so, thank God the shepherd came to where we was and came to me in my city. Thank God for that. When I couldn't get to him, he came to where I was. And he came to well, amongst sinful men, I'm thankful for that. Thank God for it. Uh, but Michelle, he did not change himself. Uh, he did not dwell and become a part of the sinful life. Uh, he just came to seek and to save sins. Isn't that right? Yeah. Oh, now, Lord, you've studied about short here lately. Uh, now, David said to the Lord, It is my shepherd, I shall not walk. Uh, he maketh me light in the green pastures. Uh, he leadeth me beside the still waters. Uh, that's present tense. He came to where I was. Uh, and John, while physically I may walk in a sinful world, uh, spiritually I can lay down in green pastures and uh, walk beside still waters. Uh, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. Uh, uh, these things have changed since then. He didn't come and dwell where I was. He called me to dwell where he is in there. Yeah. But Solomon, he's not just, he, he's coming out of the wilderness. He's made a trip, a short trip to the wilderness, uh, but he dwells, his palace is in the city. In there. See the difference? He's coming out of the wilderness. The shepherd comes into the, he may come into the city to woo the Shulamite, but he'll dwell in the, in the wilderness. Uh, Solomon may go out in the wilderness, but he dwells in the city. Uh, very, very different. Uh, uh, let me say this the only time we see the shepherd in the city is the woo and win the heart of the Shulamite. Yet here we see Solomon coming out of the wilderness to dwell in the city. What a difference there is between Solomon and the shepherd. How could they be the same? How could they possibly be the same? Uh, Solomon couldn't dwell in the wilderness, uh, but that's where the shepherd dwells, which is not only the confusion and the coming, notice if you would, the captivation. Watch what your Bible said in verse 6. Who is this that cometh out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke? That's interesting. John, when she sees them, the only thing she knows, to, the only thing sight-wise that she compares them to is pillars of smoke. That's a that's amazing. Man. I think about that. Uh, I walked outside the other day. My aunt, my aunt was a burning, and uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't smell it. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't see the fire. I didn't feel the heat. But I just happened to glance across the right through my eyes. Seen this black. They burned some kind of plastic or something. I don't know what it was, but this jet black smoke just building up in the air. Boy, it caught my attention. Is that right? Yeah. I don't know how many times over the years I've come out the back door of a church or front door. I don't know what you call it. I don't know if that's the back door or the front door. The door is all I know. Come out of the door of a church. and uh, They'd be people standing there looking up in the sky. And i said, what are y'all looking at? There's some smoke coming up above them trees. And that, I, I just wonder what's on fire. But it captivates 
you said, we come back, the men went fishing back in October and we was coming down the road and uh, John, uh, I didn't even pay attention to it, but I was driving and watching the traffic and John sitting up front of me, he said, look at that smoke, wonder what's on fire. I mean, it captivated, you can't help but wonder what it is that's burning, we know where there's smoke. There must be fire. I've heard people say, oh my, I've been in services or somewhere and seen smoke. And somebody say, I don't know, but that's close to where mama lives. Or, I don't know, but that's close to such and such. And it captivates you. It draws your attention. It captivates you. It makes you curious as to what's burning. And she, she uh, imagined Solomon, she compared him uh, to pillars of smoke. And, uh, how different this is uh, apart from the appearance of the shepherd. He humbles himself and comes softly to her. All right? Remember when he came to her? When he come in, he stood outside the wall, peered through the windows. <laughs> she caught glimpses of him through the lattice. But when Solomon comes, he's not coming softly. He's coming like great pillars of smoke. Uh, it's catching everybody's attention. Uh, everybody's wondering who it is. Uh, everybody sees it. It looks like it, it captivates an audience. Uh, notice this. Watch this. It's for this very reason that the Jews rejected Christ. They were looking for a mighty, mighty warrior to come and overthrow their Roman oppressors. Yet he came as a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in the manger. He's looking for somebody to come set up a kingdom right then. Yeah. They want somebody to overthrow the Romans and set up a kingdom and restore the land unto them and restore their prestige and their power and their popularity in the world. Uh, uh, but he came not as a warrior, not as a, uh, he came as a babe, wrapped in swaddling gloves. All through scripture you'll find that. Uh, you'll find the disciples when they came to Christ. Uh, they didn't even know, uh, was it Nathaniel, is that right? Say, can any good thing come from Nazareth? I mean, it seems like he went to the wrong place. He's born the wrong people. Uh, he's born the wrong way. Uh, nothing seems to fit. Uh, but he came softly. He humbled himself uh, and came softly like the shepherd. But when Solomon comes, boy, it's like pillars of smoke. Everybody says, isn't that right? Oh, my, what a difference between the two. I got hurt and I quit. Often the path to follow the Lord is not filled with glamour and fame and fortune. It does not immediately captivate our attention. More often than not, it goes against our will, our dreams, and our ambitions. Is that right? I told somebody the other day, I'll tell you who. I told somebody the other day, and they took this what they said to me. They said, Preacher, all my life, I didn't have nothing. That most of the things I wanted, I couldn't get. And they said, there come a point in my life that I had a job to where I could get anything I wanted. And he said, preacher, it seemed like that the whole time that was going home, the Lord's a dead woman about doing something else. And uh, now, uh, it seems like now I'm back in a place where I can't get nothing. Here's what they said. But I know I'm in the will of God. Lip bomb them right there, didn't it? Oftentimes, the path to follow the Lord is not filled with glamour and prestige. It's often not filled with weight. Is that right? Yeah. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Right. I don't know why it's a body man like this, but that's what it is. We're, we live in a generation where everybody's trying to put the crown before the cross. Yeah. Is that right? He had to go to Calvary. It's not till after Calvary that he comes back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
And the same is true in our life. Earl, oftentimes the Father of the Lord is a life of suffering, a life of sacrifice, it's a life of humbleness. Take up your cross and follow me. Oh my. But we do also know, Paul says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present life are not even worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us hereafter. Cross must come before the fall. I'll say this, I talk to a lot of young preachers who can't wait to pass them. They can't wait to they can't wait to do these things and they can't they can't wait to do all this. I, I pick on Noah. I just I, he, he can take it. He, if he can, he didn't get tough skin anyway. Uh, he don't, he don't, he's a lot like me. He don't much like sins. And I talked to people up there singing this morning. And when he came down, I said, I'll see you there next week. He said, I don't know about that. Let me tell you something. Listen to me. Listen carefully. Tell you something. There'll come a time where I believe all my heart, God's got something great in store. No, what I, I believe I believe I can't wait to find out what the Lord's going to do in their life and their and their family and their ministry. But before that comes, you listen. You know what he's going to have to do? He's going to have to learn to do stuff he doesn't want to do because somebody else asked him to. Is that right? Because he may not see it now, but one day he'll realize, just like I did, the same thing happened. I heard you this morning, Elaine. I don't, I don't mind being honest. I heard Elaine say this morning, I don't know who she's talking about, I just heard it out of my ear. I heard her say, she said something about singing the choir, there ain't about five of us, and before long there won't be nobody. And I'll be honest with you, singing's not my thing. But I'm a bit honest, wouldn't bother me a bit, didn't sing at all. I could preach just good with that as I can with it. That ain't saying much, I can't preach too good either way, but I can preach just good with that as I can with it. Wouldn't bother me a bit. I don't listen to singing going down the road. I won't hear preaching. That's just that's me. But I also know that singing does magnify the Lord. Right. And it's an opportunity for others to praise Him and magnify Him. And it does set the mood. My wife, I'll be honest with you, my wife told me the other day, she said, she said, you know what I miss? And I said, well, she said, I miss good singing. She's just different, man. And she, said, she said, I'm sure you're preaching just as good as you ever have. She said, but I sure can hear it a lot better with some good singing right before. I don't need that. Other day. All right. Yeah. I remember when I was a young preacher, Marty Reese came back there one day and grabbed me by the shirt collar. And he said, From now on, you're singing in the choir. You know what I did? I sung in the choir from that day on. Now listen to me. But looking back now, you know what I realized? He knew something I didn't. I probably won't shoot the second foot, but I'm going to say this. He didn't believe that I had seen yet that everyone in us was in that Looking at that, see right there. Mm -hmm. And my me gone. It wasn't long until everybody else was gone. Yeah. Is that right? Is that right? Mm -hmm. Which what that taught me? I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it. There's got to be some suffering for this crown. Yeah. Is that right? right? I had before before the Lord ever let me pass I had going to be submissive in my past. get on some stuff I do. <laughs> Though I've enjoyed being the pastor at Blue Ridge Baptist Church more than anything I've ever done in my life. I love it. But I'll be honest with you, 
that year at that first church like killed me. Is that right? Got to be a cross for them to pray. They're right. It's just how God works. But when Solomon comes, he's not come humble. He's not come suffer. He's come as pillars of smoke, drawing attention to himself. You really won't know if God did something great for me if I tell you what to do. Just be willing to do all the things nobody wants to do. Be willing to come up here on Saturday, walk out through the park, out through the yard, pick up trash and spill in the yard. I'm not being funny. Be willing, you won't see God do something in your life. Be willing to come up here and sweep a goat poop off of my driveway. You say, Preacher, don't, that don't matter. Nobody will see that. Oh, there's a God in heaven to die. Is that right? Oh, Bible said that if you be faithful over a few times, God will make you ruler over many. Is that right? God will be a cross before there's a crown. But Solomon, he comes. And he's got this plant like pillars of smoke. Huh? He comes with prosperity. Huh? He comes with power. Huh? He comes with all these things. Watch this. Notice. Does not immediately, yeah, immediately, the Savior does not immediately captivate our attention. More often than not, it goes against our will and our dreams and ambitions. But here's what I see. But what joy there is in living the will of God and just having fellowship with each other. That right? May not be rich. I'm not rich. I promise you, I'm not rich. There's a lot. There's a lot in my life. Probably at one time or another, looked very different in my mind. Can I say this? It's such a joy just to go to bed at night knowing I'm right in the center of the will of God. Get up in the morning knowing I'm right in the center of the will of God. God know I've got fellowship with Him, and I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be done. There's there's nothing this world has to offer that can replace that. That's right. All right, but if you're not careful, world and sin, Satan. They don't come. A lot of times, I'm sure I've seen it over the years. I've seen people's eyes get caught to that because a lot of times it is. That is the way of following the Lord. So take up your cross and follow me. Yeah. Jesus said, they, the world hated me, they'll hate you also. They're right. hurt. Well, sometimes the world will come pillars of smoke. Great. Look what she said about it. His bed, uh, three score, valiant men with swords walking beside of him. What power? Uh, hit the bottom of silver, the, uh, the, the, the gold, and uh, covered with purple. Uh, that's royalty. Uh, what splendor, what power, what, how good that must look. Uh, everybody's looking at Solomon. Uh, nobody else knows the shepherd. Uh, we'll find out later in the next few chapters that uh, the daughters of Jerusalem, the young women of the city of Jerusalem, have uh, asked her, said, well, Who is my beloved? What do you love him for? They're saying if Solomon's interested, who in the world would choose the shepherd over Solomon? Isn't that how we look at it sometimes? That how the world looks at who would choose who would choose the Savior over all the pleasures of this world? They're yeah. right. See his coming. See his see the confusion. We see his coming. Then we see we see that he comes and his he he, he looks like pills of smoke. It it commands their attention. Then notice the covers and I'll put you. Watch what your Bible says, verse six. Who is this that comes out of the earth like pillars of smoke, fume of myrrh, frankincense with all power into the merger? That's interesting. He said he looks like pillars of smoke, captivates you, draws your attention. But then she spends more time talking about how he smells than anything else. That's interesting. 
There's a lot could be said. I don't have time to say it. What time is it? I don't have time to say it. Let me, let me say a few things. Much said about the perfume Solomon had on. How Satan, the world, sin covered themselves to epitomize. But this is simply a covering. Now here's what I mean by that. I remember old when I was in college, I had I had a radio broadcast at WYZD in Dobson, 1560. Had a radio broadcast at 3.30 on Wednesdays. Is that right? Or was it three? It doesn't matter. Anyway, it doesn't matter. 30-minute broadcast. It started at 3.30. And I, in college, I, at first it wasn't that big a deal. Then toward the end, I, I got the, some of the guys just want me to go and work out with them and stuff. And I'd go some. And you know what I'd do? I'd get done, I'd get done the gym. Sweat would be dripping off of me. I didn't have time to take a shower. I didn't have time to do all that. So I bought me, don't judge me, this back, back years ago. I bought me a kit of that Axe body spray. And what I'd do when I'd get done, I'd go, and I throw on a shirt and tie a third dress pants. I go over your little kiss place. I sweat like a devil over there. But here's what I'm saying. The thing was, if if I went in, they'd have smelt that body spray. But the truth of the matter was, though, I wasn't close I really wasn't what I smelled like. It was just a cup. Alright? Oh, what a picture of sin in the world. And Satan. Yeah. Satan never reveals himself for what he really is. Right. Listen to me. One of the most dangerous things I believe ever happened to our young people was watching cartoons of an ugly red feather with horns and pitchfork that's supposed to be Satan. Because that's certainly not how he reveals himself. Right? <laughs> I've been to Christmas plays over the years, maybe not to that extent, but they'd have some fella come in with a hood over his head and I mean look like some kind of grim reaper come walking down the aisle supposed to be Satan. That's not how he pictures that's not how he feels himself. Best Christmas play ever went to I don't even know what time the church was. And I went with a buddy of mine. I hadn't been preaching long he didn't want to come to this Christmas play. And all of a sudden the door swung open. Middle Christmas play. Door swung open. Him walked this fella. I'm talking about there was not a hair out of place. I mean, everything was manicured to a T. Had on a three-piece suit. I mean, fancy three-piece suit. Shoes and shine. I mean, when he walked in, in the middle of the play, everybody stopped and turned around. And you can hear people say, who is that? One, not as my witness, one woman sat in front of me, she said, I don't know who that is. But I sure hope he starts coming here because he looks like he's got money. <laughs> you know who it was? It was a man that got to come to play Satan. And I thought to myself, that's the best depiction of it. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. yeah. Everybody in that church stopped and said, Who is that? What she said, Who is that? Alright? Oh, he, he never appears what he really is. He, he works deception and lies and disguises that. He never appeals to an individual as his true form. He is transformed into an angel of light, the Bible said. Uh, uh, what about that? He disguises himself. Yeah. Sin, he never puts sin in front of you. No, if he puts sin in front of us and showed us everything about sin, well, my soul, we'd never be tempted to sin. Is that right? 
If he put a beer in front of you, Kirk, and said, showed you that five years down the road you'd be an alcoholic and lose your family and lose your wife and lose your job and uh, just be hopelessly dependent upon it and show you all the things that happened, how you'd, how you'd beat your spouse, how you'd run away and run off with your, from your youngins and all the things that alcohol can cause. If Michelle, if he showed that all that, nobody'd be tempted to go like that. that right? But you, walk, you sit there and watch TV. It'll be some fella, just average. He'll be standing in front of a red sports car, two pretty blondes on his side, big old house behind him. He'll say, drink Miller Lite. Right. And your mind, people associate that, say, oh, that's what I miss. But don't die on me. Oh, yeah. I listened to a podcast this week. I ain't going to get done at 12, so I'm not going to preach a little while. I listened to a podcast this week, and I uh, was preaching on there and said, you didn't hear preaching on alcohol no more. He's right. The Bible still said that uh, uh, strong drinking is a rage, and wine is a mocking strong drinking rage. And uh, whosoever deceived thereby is not wine. Is that still in the Bible, by yeah. the way? Uh, it's still a sin to drink. Uh, uh, well, oh, my, let me just get that for a little while. Uh, you say, preacher, you mean it's a sin to get drunk? Uh, no, I mean it's a sin to drink, what I mean. Uh, I heard old preacher years ago say this, and it's true. Uh, he said, if it takes you 10 beers to get drunk, you drink one. Uh, you're one tenth drunk. You know? Yeah. yeah. Let me say it one more time. I feel pretty good. I like that. If it takes you 10 beers to get drunk, you drink one, you're one tenth drunk. That's right. They're right. Oh my, my, I have to preach a message all entirely on alcohol. You look forward to that coming sometime soon. But can I say this? He never presents it what it is, it really is. He didn't draw I've heard so many people over the years say, I left my wife, I left my husband. Because the grass looked greener on the other side, he never shows you what it really is. I've talked to several of them over the years. I remember when I was at Liberty, my wife don't even know this. I had a man in the church ask me if he sat down and talked to me. They didn't come very long. He said, I'm going to leave my life. Uh, I, I can't get away from it. I don't love her no more. Uh, he said, preacher, she don't cook. She don't clean. She don't do this. Uh, and she don't do that. I said, I'm telling you, uh, oh, the grass is never green on the other side. Uh, I said, what you need to do is go home and fertilize uh, and water your yard. It might get green too. Uh, right? uh, and he said, preacher, I can't do it. Uh, I seen that man just the other day. Uh, he left his wife, married the woman he's running around with. Uh, and they're still married. As far as I know, I seen the other day. Uh, if I can they are. I said, Look, David, he said, Preacher, you know what I found out? I said, What did you find out? He said, She don't cook. She don't clean. She don't do this and this. And my wife used to be the best and blah, 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 blah. This one don't do that. She don't do this. She don't do that. You know what he found out? The grass wasn't real on the side. It was dead on the other side. He had it better to start with and he does that. Oh, let me just stop by and say this. Here's what really shook me here, please see. He said, Preacher, you know what I can't shake out of my mind? I said, What's that? He said, She knew I was a married man and run around with me. Yeah. And I was married to my wife. And he said, Preacher, it scares me to death. Yeah. I can't even sleep at night. Wonder if she'll do that for me one day. Yeah. I thought, My soul, at least you didn't feel that way when you first wife. Right. You're right. Yeah. Oh, my. Well, I ordered this bomb down right there for a few minutes, but I don't believe it will. How about he never presents it like he should? How the world always looks better than it is? How that job will always look better? The world can make itself look so grand. How about it never shows you the end thereof? Couldn't tell you the number of times over the years. I've had a man or a woman come out the back door and look at me and say, Preacher, we're not going to become like we usually do. 
I've got a promotion. I'm going to have to work more. Now, I'm not against working. I'm not against working a job. I'm not against any of that. But they don't say, take somebody out of the house of God. And John, they don't realize that in just a few years, that family is just going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Over the years, I've had them come back and say, preacher, there's no amount of money worth what it costs me and my family. He never presents it as it's a covering. Smells good, looks good, but the truth of the matter is it's not. That's how Solomon is. He's covered with these with this murder, frankincense, and all powders of the murder. So two things about widow. Notice the social significance. Myrrh in scripture, I'm done right here. Myrrh in scripture primarily used two ways. It's used at weddings, it's used at funerals. I thought about that. I thought the happiest day in your life and the saddest day in your life. Myrrh was there. All right? Yeah. Oh my. That's interesting to me. Psalm, the picture of Satan, the world, and sin smell like myrrh. How often we see individuals walk away from the shepherd, return to the world, and live a life of sin at the happiest times of their life and the saddest times of their life. That's the two times you'll see more people walk away from God, the things of God, than yes. When things are at their best, we get this idea we don't need him. Well, don't die on that's just right. When things are at their best, we get this idea, well, we can do it ourselves. Look where we're, we've arrived. They're hungry. And when things are at their lowest, we ought to talk to them and tabernacle with them and trust them and thank them. Like we said this morning, a lot of times you'll see people at their absolute lowest. They'll turn to the world because it simply looks better. Got to say this, Satan's a liar. The father of it's what the Bible said. They're right. So we see the murder. It's a social significance. The best time of your life, worst time of your life. You better be on guard for the attack of sin. And I will say this the sacred significance. Frankincense was widely used in religious ceremonies at this time. It's fitting that Solomon is a picture of the adversary smelled like religion. I'll say this and I'll forget that. You realize I could have preached five more verses to you. I just preached one. So we're running pretty quick now. I'm done right here. That's fitting to me. Listen, listen well. You know, the greatest lie Satan sells today is religion. That's right. The most damnable lie that Satan sells is religion. We live in a world today where nobody wants to offend Andrew had his first basketball game yesterday. Jessica, I love him. I'm going to take him out of T-ball. We're playing basketball all the time. I don't even like basketball. I played baseball. But you know what I like about basketball? They kept the score. They kept it right. T-ball, everybody got to hit. Everybody got to run around the bases. Everybody got to score. That ain't how life works, Jack. They missed yesterday. The other team got the ball. Guess what? The other team had a chance to score. If they missed that thing up, I loved it. They can't score. Somebody has to win. Somebody has to lose. There, this to We live in a world today. Nobody wants to be offended. They want you to say that every way is right. Well, the problem is Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. Only one way." Right, right. But the greatest life Satan said, and it fits Wendy. Into the prophetic timeline. See, we're moving toward a one world government, not just that, a one world religion. Mm-hmm. 
We'll talk about that later. But when you see it moving that way, and the problem is, you know, those people all over the world believe in it, put their faith in some religion. Is that right? It's going to die and go to hell. Frankincense widely used in religious service. Now, you said, I don't believe that's what that's talking about. Well, you don't have to, but that's interesting. Satan takes the greatest time and saddest time. That's murder. Frankincense, that's talking about sacred things, religious things. I say this, listen to me. There's people in Surrey County. Now, you go other places preaching over, you'll find there's people that's rooted in Mormonism. People that's rooted in uh, Judaism. People that's rooted in... Um, what kind of ism you want to talk about? Uh, all kind of Hinduism and um, uh, I want to say Muslimism, Islam. That's what I'm trying to say. Islam. All kinds of things. Can I say this? There's people in Surrey County, North Carolina, that's trusting membership and baptism and independent, fundamental, Baptist church that's going to die and go to hell. Because they've got religion. But they've never had a relationship with each other. Is that right? Is that not right? The Bible said, have a form of godliness and denying the power of the Lord. Looks right, smells right, acts right. Truth, my dear, has never been born. He said in John 3 7, you must be born. Not you must be baptized. Well, I'm all for baptism. Our forefathers died so we'd have the right to be baptized. Is that right? I'm all for it. But you don't have to be baptized to go to hell. Is that right? I'm all for church membership. That's why we got that covenant hanging up on the wall. I believe you ought to join church. I believe you ought to be a member. I believe you ought to be found faithful to a local Church, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. I, I think you ought to join yourself to it, associate with something. I, I'm all for that, but you do not have to be a church member to go to hell. Prove it to you. Real simple, but it's right. Jesus died at Calvary. Don't that thief on the cross today. Thou shalt be with me in paradise. They take him down and baptize. What what church he joined? They're right. Jesus. Way through his life, he said, He said, He's been with me in paradise. I believe He's with me in paradise. Don't have to be baptized. I believe you ought to. Uh, don't have to. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Don't have to go. I believe you ought to. I strongly suggest it. Don't have to. There's a danger this morning to trust in baptism and church membership. Get you to hell. One old preacher said this, and I feel it. He said, You've been baptized so much that every tadpole thirsty. Those little hip toes and bad breasts and social You never had one. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Right. We go to Blueberry Pastor's Church every Sunday. Sunday night, Wednesday night, revival meeting, Jubilee, Christmas supper, and Easter sunrise service, and everything in between being forever. Everything that, every time the doors open, we'll be here. If you've never been saved by the grace of God, you can die and go to hell. I was admitting that day and say, Lord, Lord. Is that right? Just, Lord, do we not cast out, uh, do we not cast out spirits in your name? How could you say, apart from what religion is right here? Trust in religion. 
That's what Solomon's been doing in the church. He's coming real, trying to catch her eye, catch her attention, captivate her, make her fall in love with power, authority, popularity, and prestige. He's going to put on a big show for her here in that text. What's, what's so amazing is this. It's not before the shepherd. It's while she's with the shepherd. All right? Not just for the lost. Satan's after those that are saved, too. I stand up for you. Did you just say that word? Did you just say that word? I'm 